everyone, it's Simon here. Welcome to our podcast. We had our last in-person service of the year on Sunday, which was a great time. What a year it's been. It's been amazing. Really, our first year as a church. Our first in-person service was in February. And look where we are now. Uh, we had an amazing year, and we look forward to going to weekly services starting the first week of February 2023. But if you're joining us today on the podcast, it's maybe because you weren't at church on Sunday or you're listening to the message again, props to you. Wherever you are, whether you're on holidays, chilling at the beach, or whether you're uh, at work or mowing the lawn, I hope this podcast just encourages you. And uh, if you want to know more about Everyone Church, make sure you head to our website. A whole bunch of stuff throughout January, but also a really great year coming in 2020. Three. All good. Let's get into it. We've been on a series lately called This Is The Way. And not only is it a uh, a reference to the Mandalorian Star Wars series, it also is a reference to John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So he's the truth. We've talked about this. He's not just a truth. He is the truth. He is the life. Uh, not just a form of life, but the life. There's no true living outside of Christ. He, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest, life more abundantly. We're not talking about more cars and more material things. No, we're talking about life like he has, life from him, life like him. And our only hope of truly living in this life and for eternity is in Christ. But he also says he's the way which uh, many Christians, and myself included, we all jump to this conclusion that he's talking about he's the way to heaven, which is not completely wrong. But we've learned that this word, the way, is the Greek word hodos, which which doesn't just mean a traveled way or a road. It also means a way of thinking, feeling, and deciding. So Jesus isn't just the way to heaven. He's also the way to live. He's how I practice my life for God. This is the way. So we've been talking about some practical practices of the Christian life, and so far we've laid out four of them. Okay, And today we're going to conclude our series, but the four have been the practice of the presence of God. They all start with P. Okay, The second was the practice of pages, which is the about study. Uh, the third was the practice of prayer. And last week we talked about the practice of praise. And you can find all of these on previous episodes of the podcast I encourage you to go through all of them because we go through a lot of detail in them. This is the way. It says in James 2.18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So what we practice and how we actually live life is really, really important, especially when it comes to our life with and for God. Jesus said, I am the way, the the practice, the doing, the deciding, the habit. My faith and trust in relationship with God is shown in the way in which I practice my life, in the way in which I live my life, right? And you're not fooling anyone when you sit there and you fold your arms and say, I'm a Christian, and and I'm a Christian, but there's no proof of it in how you actually practice your life and how you actually treat others and how you actually treat the things of God right? And and most importantly, you're not fooling God. You know, Jesus used to get fired up at the Pharisees all the time who were, were very religious on the outside. He used to call, he called them whitewashed tombs, meaning, hey, you look really pretty on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead. And I don't want God to say that of you, and I don't want God to say that of me. And also, this is not to say that we live this work-based life. Like, we don't do these practices to 
get to God. We do them because God has got to us. And a God-centered and transformed life is outworked. Uh, We do life His way because we get to. It's only by His grace and goodness that we're able to walk with Him, like Him, and in His way. So this is the way. So we're going to conclude this series today by focusing on something that really has been on my heart since the start of this series. And I think it's a, a forgotten aspect of the Christian life, particularly the modern Christian life in the West. I want to talk about the practice of pilgrimage. The practice of pilgrimage. The, the the whole Bible is filled with stories of journey and pilgrimage. You can go way back even to the call of Abraham and the Israelites were a, a nomadic people moving from place to place toward a settled land of God's promise. This is the journey of God's people. And later on, you know, Old Testament Jews would typically make three pilgrimages a year to Jerusalem and in the spring for Passover, in the summer for, for Pentecost, and in the autumn for the festival of shelters or or tents. Now, each journey was a celebration of something that God had done for his people. And the journey would be littered with key stops on the way, certain wells and monuments to the story of God's faithfulness. This sense of pilgrimage, this journey, uh, it was a great coming together of God's People. It was a way to teach generations the things of God. Like, imagine the conversations that would happen on this journey. Like, Dad, where are we going? Mom, why are we why are we traveling like this three times a year? Like, I think about my son Elliot. He asked me where we, where we're going when we go for a five minute drive in the car. He's like, Where are we going? Are we there? Yet? How many minutes do we get there? Uh, are we near so and so's house? It's like, No, you're way off. But th- this that curiosity that these journeys would have brought out in the kids. Now, we're talking about literally uprooting your life for a season, and traveling to a a designated place. And it wasn't easy. And the purpose of these pilgrimages were also to encounter God. And in that encountering of God and re-encountering was this sense of origin and identity, a reminder of, hey, who we are as a people, where we've come from. And then when we move into the New Testament, you know, Jesus' birth was a journey. And even many scholars believe that Jesus was actually born during the Festival of Shelters. And in Jesus' time, the population of Jerusalem would swell like from 40,000, 50,000 people to over 500,000 during these festivals. And God knew how to make most of these times. Like you think about Pentecost and all these kind of key moments in New Testament like like history happened around these huge gatherings of, of people because then they would encounter something of God and then they would take it back to their homes, right? This is this is part of how the, the gospel started to spread throughout all these regions. Now, you even look at Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, they traveled with him. Jesus' upbringing would have been filled with pilgrimage. It says in Luke 2, 41, 42, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. So this was a common thing for them, right? And that this is the story where they, they forget Jesus is in the temple and it's like, oh my goodness, I've lost the son of God, you know, which is a pretty cool story. So his life was filled with journey or even look at Jesus ministry Jesus life later life was 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 a journey right he was always on the move and in many ways his life was a pilgrimage toward Jerusalem where he would take up his cross for humanity now why am I sharing this the practice of pilgrimage this is the way I, I, 
I'm not saying that we should start trekking and walking everywhere as a family, although there probably is some benefits to that, to actually doing stuff together as a family, traveling together with a God purpose. But I believe many Christians today have lost their sense of journey and movement. Their faith has become stagnant and still. In fact, their faith has become compartmentalized. It's like it's a one moment of the week, or it's like, that's just, that's our God life over there, but it doesn't infiltrate into our family life at all. No, that's, that's, that's church. That's church. <laughs> that's church. They don't, they, they, they don't, they don't have, they're not involved with family at all. No, 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 no. It's like we, we put God in a little box, right? And there's no adventure. And when there is adventure, it has nothing to do with the things of God. It's just, holidays and 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 go in the movie world right there's no risk there's no sense of taking the family on a journey of faith a journey of origin and identity like parents what journey of faith are you taking your kids on is it just a holiday uh, I mean, let's not forget why they're called holy days holidays right they're actually there's a religious significance to these things called holidays, right? And it's funny how many Christians they don't, you know, uh, uh, we're around Christmas time right now. It's like there's no, is there a sense of Christ faith journey to your Christmas season, or is it just like ah, oh, it's it's all about food and whatever, right? Now my mom always had this picture in her house. Uh, it was it was in the bathroom actually. That's probably why I saw it so often. But it had had this like uh, saying on it. It said, "Children learn what they live." And then it had these lists of kind of like, I guess they were kind of like proverbs. Like if a child lives this, they learn this. And I can't remember all of them. But the point is, what your children experience from you and from their family life is what they're going to learn. What are your children learning by how you live together as a family? And this isn't just a message to parents. It's also for, for, for anybody, even if you don't have kids, even if you're unmarried. What in my life reflects a pattern of journey for God? This is the way, the practice of pilgrimage. So so quickly today, let's, let's go over some attributes of pilgrimage. And my hope, like all of these practices, is that you can take these and apply them to your walk with God. Okay, so number one, a pilgrimage has a God destination. A pilgrimage has a God destination. The practice of pilgrimage is to have a heart of journey and destination, okay? In 1 Peter, there's this strong focus on our, our identity as the people of God and, and, what is God is, and what God is doing. And then Peter, in, in 1 Peter 1.17, now you've got to remember, Peter walked with Jesus, Okay, he in many ways was a pilgrim with Jesus, right? In 1 Peter 1.17, he says this, And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do, which is a key point there. What you do, not just what you say, what you do. All right, let's continue. It says, So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. This is what Peter calls us, temporary residents. Residence. And then again in 1 Peter 2.11, just a few verses later, he says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. So Peter's perspective was that, hey, we have a God destination, and that is heaven. Peter is reminding us that we have 
a place that we are going to land one day for eternity, and that's not here. Peter is reminding us that we don't belong here. That And this type of thinking changes how we live. It, in many ways, it moves us from being just an average person to being like a pilgrim-type person, someone who is on a journey towards a God destination. And it's because I no longer live for the temporal. I live with the eternal in mind. I no longer long to just stay here and accumulate earthly treasure. No, I long to move toward my heavenly home and live for my heavenly Father. You know, we say things like, oh, the journey is the reward. Well, to be honest, that's not the Christian viewpoint. My reward is Christ and eternity with Him and all the goodness and, and, and glories that are held within Him. That's my reward, not the journey, the sense of like self-discovery. Oh, I'm, a, I'm on my self-discovery. No, no, we're on a Christ discovery. We're on a God dis- God journey. Come on, this is what being practicing pilgrimage is all about. It's moving towards a God destination. You know, so many of us are just so wrapped up in the world and our tiny, little, momentary, temporal life that we've forgotten that we won't be here for long. The Bible describes our life as like but a breath. It's just in a moment. It's gone. This is the way. Come on. The practice of pilgrimage. We have a God destination. And you know, sometimes in our faith journey, we, we don't always get such a clear picture of the destination, which like, like, like for something like heaven, it's a very clear destination that we're heading, which brings me to my second point, and that is a pilgrimage is a journey of obedience. A journey of obedience. In Hebrews, we read about Abraham's journey, who we mentioned before. Abraham, God calls him. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, it says in verse 9. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Verse 10. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So you see the, you see the patterns here, the, the common themes. The practice of pilgrimage is a practice of obedience toward God, even when we don't have the clearest picture of what is coming next. A, a practice of taking life step by step in accordance with what God would want us to do. I, I even think when I look at our church planning journey, We don't have it all figured out. We don't have every element of our church plant written down, you know, like, like, and in some ways it's it's by design. Like we could write down and be like, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But in many ways, Maria and I have purposely just left room for God to reveal what the next step is for us. And we're on a journey, trusting God step by step. In many ways, church planning is a pilgrimage. (laughs) It's, it's stepping step by step with God, a journey of obedience towards a God destination, which is an established God-honoring, community-impacting church, bringing Jesus to everyone everywhere, right? And we're on this journey. And guess what? You're part of it too. It's not just me and Maria. It's all of us. And we're getting this greater sense as a church of togetherness, that we're a, a body, we're a community coming together. Dare we say we're even a bit of a family that is forming on this God journey. You know, Abraham is known as the father of faith because he obeyed God at his word. 
Like, what is God asking of you today? Even as we enter towards the end of the year, what is God calling you to do? Trust him. Don't lose your sense of journey. Don't just play it safe all the time. Come on, this is the way. The practice of pilgrimage. We have a God destination. We are on an obedience journey. And our third attribute of pilgrimage is a pilgrimage is often done with others. Now, I say often because there are times when God calls us to do something alone. But the majority of times, the vast majority, is a journey with others. It might be with your family. Uh, But often it's with the body of Christ. We are on a journey together, helping one another. We just read in 1 Peter about us being temporary residents on earth. But amongst those verses in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says this, and you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. So God is building us together. You know, sometimes we get a real independent spirit, you know, or, or because of our past experience, we put the walls up and we just, but what good is just a brick just sitting over there by itself? It's just like, oh, good on that awesome brick. Amazing. That's not what God's designed for you and destined for you. He wants you to be built together with the body of Christ. Christianity is communal. We are on this journey together. It, would, it wouldn't be the same without others. And that starts with your family. We've mentioned this before. Uh, your household. What happens at the dinner table? Well, I mean, why would your kids... I'm, I'm speaking to parents again because I feel like so much of this sense of journey in our faith starts at home and and what we, what we do at home. But I want to make sure as a dad that I am showing my kids a Christ-like life, but also a, a journey of faith with God that is exciting. It's not just safe and boring. You know, why would your kids want to follow Christ if all you've shown them is safe, boring Christianity, or no Christ at all? There's no mention of Him. There's no prayer. There's no looking to God in the midst of trials. Come on. I, like, I've seen it before in church life where families, that they teach their kids these patterns of journeying away from the things of God. Like, for example, uh, a journey as a family is to just actually, like, have nothing to do with church or have nothing to do with, oh, just to have a week off from from God stuff is, like, a luxury for us as a family. And you know what? That just creates this whole, like, God is boring, church is boring, church is something that we take a break from type of experience. And then we wonder why our kids aren't interested in following Christ when they're young adults. Right, And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor or a church planner. I'm saying this because we all want to raise our kids in, in an environment that says, hey, following Jesus is an exciting journey, and we can't just fake it. it we've got to be living it. Come on. The practice of pilgrimage. This is the way. We have a God destination. We are on an obedience journey, and we're in this together. Let's do this together. And lastly, number four, a pilgrimage turns my trials into testimonies. In Psalm 84, I love Psalm 84. The whole Psalm is awesome. You should check it out. But particularly the early part of Psalm 84, and and we're going to focus here on verses 5 to 7. It says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Okay, there's that theme there. Verse 6, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessing. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. If we journey, if we don't give up, here's here's the promise of God. Our footprints will become evidence of God's faithfulness. 
Our, our valley of weeping will become a place of refreshing springs. Come on, my, my faith walk with God will become a testimony for generations to come. My trials will become proof of God. Proof of God. I mean, this is what scripture is filled with. Journeys, mistakes, trials, testimonies, encouragements. And one of the main reasons why we have such boldness in our faith journey today is because someone did it yesterday, right? And I I love, even bring it back to our church planning journey. I love hearing uh, stories of church planning uh faith journeys, or even stories of parents raising their kids in the Lord, or stories of prayer warriors seeking God for a breakthrough in an area and seeing it happen, because it encourages me to never give up. And if we practice journey, as we practice journey, we leave a legacy. Now, for our kids, for their kids, I'm not talking about a celebrity legacy where they're going to have a picture of you up on the wall like Colonel Sanders at KFC, and you're like, oh, this was Simon, the legacy, the church planning legacy guy. No, who cares about that? I'm talking about a God legacy that points people towards him, that points my my kids, my grandkids, to, and they say, hey, do you know what? Remember grandpa or something? He trusted God in the midst of a trial. You know, your trials become a testimony, Right? The journey that you're on today will become a legacy for the future, pointing people toward God. We just read in Hebrews 11 where all these great stories of faith are summarized. The chapter, the whole of faith, they call it. And it caps it off in verse 32. It says this, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Verse 33, By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms rule with justice, and receive what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. Come on, that's what we just read in Psalm 84. They will go from strength to strength as you journey. Come on, this is the way, the practice of pilgrimage. We have a God destination. We are on an obedience journey. We are in this together, and we leave a legacy. Amen. How is your journey with God going? Have you lost your heart of pilgrimage? That sense of, I'm on a journey with God here. I'm I'm following him. I'm chasing after him and what he wants. Do you need to seek God for a fresh vision in him, a fresh dream in him? You know, this is the end of the year. It's a great time to, to just step back and say, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Come on, let's journey together with God. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person in every one church and anybody who's checking this podcast out today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us have a sense of journey. Lord, we want to be pilgrims. We want to be people who know this is in our home. We are heading towards a God destination. We want to be people who have uh, who are on an obedience journey, step by step. Help us walk step by step with what you would want, Lord. We want to be people who are doing life together with our family, taking our family on a journey, journeying with the body of Christ. And we want to leave a legacy, not for us, not to big note us, but to big note you, to point to your faithfulness. May our journey, may our practice of pilgrimage become a legacy and a testimony for your goodness and your faithfulness for generations to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, I hope you've enjoyed this series. This is the way. I hope you've 
been with us step by step throughout it. And I hope you take these practices and put them into practice. That they become, I don't know, put some reminders in your phone, make a wallpaper, do something to remind you to practice the presence of God, to practice pages that study, to practice prayer, to practice praise, and to practice pilgrimage. Hey, hope you have an amazing Christmas and New Year. Make sure you check our website for upcoming events and gatherings. And let's look forward to the journey ahead, 2023, and also weekly services. Oh my goodness, it's just getting started. We're so excited. We hope to see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you.